Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host. Gypsy. And today we have a special guest, Fletcher Ellingson. Sorry, I probably should have asked before we got started. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. <laughs> you got it. You got it right. Okay. Um, he's a speaker, coach, and creator of the practice of feeling good in business and life. Uh, welcome to the show, um, Fletcher. Nice to have Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you. Nice to have you. So <clears throat> I know we talked about, um, I guess we can start with what you do um, with, the, mm -hmm. with, the, with the practice of feeling good. Because I, I did want to get into straight into the whole uh, rejection experiment, but I'm yeah, like, wait, wait. Fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let the audience get to know you and what you do first, and then we can get into that stuff. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so first of all, super fun to be here. Thank you for having me on, and thank, thanks for reaching out. And um, I love what you guys are up to. Thank I you. just want to say up front, I love the podcast space. I love what it's bringing to the global table. Uh, I am all about evolving our thinking. Mm -hmm. And this, this uh, ability that we have in this age of technology is incredible. That we can talk from, to people all around the world. I know you guys are in, we're in different states, but we are aligned in our mission like to, to, to elevate, uh, elevate people, to, to uplift others, right? I mean, to bring meaningful conversations. So uh, I just want to acknowledge you two for what you are doing. Um, you. It's Thank really you. valuable. I appreciate it. And I don't say that lightly. Like, I don't read the news. I don't, I don't read the news anymore. Gave it up. Um, this is where I put my energy and connecting with others like like you guys who are like we got a mission i don't know what your mission is personally but uh, i know it's got to be somehow aligned with mine because in making the world a better place because we're here talking so so thank you for what you do thank, thank you, you. Oh, yeah and uh so the practice of feeling good so you um so uh gypsy you asked what do i do yeah in a nutshell i help people change the way they think I help people change the way they process data that is coming into their brain. I help people change the story that they have in their mind from disempowering to empowering. I help people change the way they think about their health, wealth, and relationships so they can live a life fulfilled and have what I call a, uh, a spillover effect. They feel so fulfilled in their life that their cup is literally overflowing and anybody who gets in their proximity is going to be affected for the better. That's what I do. I can, I can relate to that feeling right on, yeah. right on. Yeah. And so, um, so while, while people may hear you, me say like, what do you mean you help people change their thinking? What I mean in a very literal sense is my clients, begin thinking different thoughts than they've ever thought in their life. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is we actually, you know, you have these things called neural pathways in your brain, yes, mm -hmm. right? And synapses and connections, like billions of them, trillions of them. 
I help people form, uh, form new neural pathways. And that allows different thinking to take place. And therefore, when you get new thinking, you get access to taking new actions. And then new actions, as we all know, leads to different results in your life. And uh, so that's in a nutshell, Gypsy, that's what I do. So what what led you to wanting to focus in this area? Yeah, that is such a great question. I just had this epiphany the other night. Um, uh, I mean, I've known why I wanted to do it, but I, but I'll tell you, I'll show you, I'll share with you my epiphany. This was literally just this, a, few, a few nights ago, uh, because in 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 grade school, junior high, high school, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. Just I didn't know what I wanted to do. I like I I didn't have any strong calling, mm-hmm. right? But I I was definitely interested in philosophy, religion. Um, those things. I was in, I was interested in conver- deep conversations. I was a bit of an oddball, to say the least, right? Um, I was reading uh, Norman Vincent Peale's The Positive uh, Power of Positive Thinking while I was in uh, third or fourth grade. Uh, I remember the day my dad walked out of the house. Uh, I was sitting on the stoop and it was a sunny day and I was reading a book. And he's like, hey, Fletch, what you reading? I was like, the, the Power of Positive Thinking. And he just stopped. He's like, wait, by Norman Vincent Peale? I was like, yeah. He's like, man, you are an odd kid, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. so, so at a very early age, I was in this conversation already. There was something that attracted me. But then going through the regular school curriculum, there was nothing. There was nothing that, that um, attracted me. There was nothing for a, an odd kid who was interested in this thing called personal development. Right. There were no classes in high school about personal development. There was nothing in college about, you know, the practice of feeling good. And yet this is what I was attracted to. And so uh, as I as I went to college, dropped out of college, went back to college, went to Europe, uh, went in to be a, a pastor and then left all that behind. What I. What I uh, uh, realized was. And then I got deep into um, personal development. I realized like, wow, there's no, there's nothing in our school system to foster this. And uh, which is why so many of my clients, like many of my clients have never heard this conversation before about evolving your thinking about personal development. Uh, You know, you got to go to like a Tony Robbins seminar or or read Zig Ziglar. You got to do something like that seems on the fringe, right? Yeah. And um but this is what I'm all about now. So, uh, but it's, but yeah, it started at an early age and, uh, and, and now I feel like I, I, I'm like in my element. <laughs> so when you're helping people, is it one-on-one or is it in a, um, group setting? How, how does, um... yeah, both. Uh, so I have a lot of one-on-one clients. My, uh, I do, um, seminars. Um, my wife and I have done some seminars together. Fortunately, uh, my wife is is a big a nerd as I am when it comes to personal development. <laughs> we we are like in this together, uh, so she's awesome. <laughs> yeah, same for you guys. Yeah, right on, right on. That's the best, right? Yeah, right. The best. Yeah, to, the yeah, best. <laughs> to have someone that gets you on that level, right? And 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 by the way, it doesn't mean that I've got it all figured out. I'm like constantly. I'm like constantly evolving. 
Um, and I don't mean evolving from a, um, an, a, a, a bogadacious manner. I mean, like, I'm simply on the journey and I'm open to learning. I'm open to improving. And believe me, so much of my improvement comes from so much of my poor judgment in the past, right? <laughs> it's just like, I'm not saying I'm out here making grand decisions. No, my, my good decision making comes from all the poor decision making I've done in the past. I can so, relate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've learned a lot. You yeah, learned the yeah. most from your failures. So. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, so that, anyway, so that's, that's, yeah, I got into it early and now I'm just full steam ahead and I'm, and I'm enjoying it because really the, the, the fun part is um, getting to be a part of seeing people transform their lives. And when I see, and when I say transform, cause I know it's a word we throw around a lot, like, ah, uh, I'm into transformation. I'm a transformative coach. That's, that's great. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean to like the, the a regular person? You know, you're going to transform, transform your wealth. You're going to transform your health. You're going to transform your relationships. What does that actually mean? Transformation is not fixing something. It's not about changing something. It's about becoming something that you haven't been before, right? It's, it is the, it, the I mean, the, the, uh, the very worn out analogy is the, the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. It's not, it, it's not, it's not like this is a, a caterpillar with wings. No, it actually transformed, mm -hmm. right? Um, it went through a dramatic transformational process. There was nothing to fix. There was nothing to, it wasn't, it didn't change. It literally transformed into another being. And so when I talk about transformation, that's what I'm talking about. My clients literally transform their finances. Like their finances don't look anything like they used to look like mm -hmm. their relationships uh, or a relationship. It doesn't resemble what it used to look like. It is something different it is something new it is not changed or fixed it has become something new um my my wife and i used to um uh, uh lead this seminar called diabetes smackdown the ultimate solution and it was for people who were who uh, either had type 2 diabetes or who are at risk at type 2 diabetes and we would have people come to this seminar who were uh, they've tried everything everything and we weren't telling them about what to eat or how to exercise. They already knew that. They could tell us. What they didn't know was, and this is the very words out of their mouth is, I don't know why I can't do what I know I need to do. Mm. Right? And so what we, and what we helped them understand was it wasn't their fault. They were simply responding to the, um, to the programs in their mind. The programs were running their life. And so what we had helped them do was to develop new programs. We literally helped them set up new programs. So it's like installing software into your computer. Like, like hey, put this into your uh, USB drive, down, uh, uh, upload this to your computer, and you have a new program that will get a different result. That's the process that we help people do. Mm -hmm. We help them develop new programs and then suddenly they have access to new actions and new and new outcomes and in fact i mean some of their most dramatic just to give an example uh, as a result of uh, of one of these seminars 
we had three, uh, three of the uh, women that I'm thinking about, um, they depressed, medications, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, blah, 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 on and on and on and on. When they discovered what was running their life, and when they began to create new programming, meaning new ways of thinking, the doctors were blown away. Their blood pressure came down. Their blood sugars came down. They began coming off their medications. Their depression literally dissipated. And these three women that I'm thinking of all signed up and completed their first ever triathlon. Mm. swimming, biking, and running. This was not on their radar. Our true transformation, like this was something they never thought was possible and was not even on their radar. And one of the women was 70 years old. Like total transformation because we shifted their psychology. And that's what I mean by transformation. That was a long answer, but you're going to find out that I get really passionate about this stuff because it's our lives that are at stake here, right? right? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it's our lives. And it's, I only got one of them. I want to make the most of it. So you, you mentioned uh, the age 70. Our parents just had uh, both had their 70th birthday. How would you introduce this program to someone like them? Oh, wonderful conversation. Uh, a good, I mean, good question. Um, so, so when people hop on a discovery call, um, so I take it from the position that there's never anything wrong with your life. There really isn't. Mm -hmm. I actually believe there's nothing wrong with anybody's life. What about the people who are, you know, in prison? There's nothing wrong with that. You see, one of the things that I do in, in my coaching curriculum is we throw out all the labels. There's no good, bad, right, or wrong. There's no, there's no good or evil. We throw all the labels out because, in my opinion, the labels have caused massive suffering in our life. So we throw them out. The only question that, that I concern myself with and, my, and that I my, encourage my clients to concern themselves with is this. Does this serve my life? Does it serve my life? If it doesn't serve my life, then let's get curious. Is there something else I could do? Is there another way that I could be? Is there another outcome that I would like to focus on? You're not broken. I believe every single person is perfect, whole, and complete, just as they are. There's lots of ways to, to live your life. This is just one way of living my life. Fletcher Ellingson, the practice of feeling good. That's just one way of, uh, uh, of a plethora of ways of living life. You each have your way of living life. Nothing wrong, nothing right about it, nothing good or bad. The question is, is the way I'm living my life, does it serve me? Does it feel good? Does it move me forward or does it hold me back? Do I feel expressed or do I feel, you know, confined? That's the, that's the, those are the important questions. It's not about good, bad, right, or wrong. It's about, does this serve my life? And so to your question, um, classic, it's like to a, to somebody who's 
kind of like uh, the runway is getting shorter and shorter and shorter, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's The question is like, hey, in this time that you have left, is there another way you'd like to be? Is there, is there another outcome you'd like to produce? If not, that's okay, mm -hmm. right? Um, again, some people are like, ah, hell, it's been a good run, good enough. You know, I'll be fine if it, if we uh, check out tomorrow and others are like, right. shit, I got another 10, 12, 15 years. Like, what could we do with that? Right. Right. Yeah. And what do you feel like is the most common, I guess, blocker, um, that people have from achieving, you know? Yeah. From feeling good. Or it is not understanding how this thing called our brain works. Because when in school did we learn about it? We don't even know what, most of us do not know what is running our lives. Most of us, I would, and I would, I mean, I'm just making this number up, but I would say, you know, nine, high 90% of people on this planet Earth, they don't understand what's influencing their decision making. If you don't even know what's influencing your decision making, whew, that's going to be a block for uh, achieving the outcomes you want in your life. Now, now, some people listening to this podcast may be like, well, what, is, what does he mean? Like, I know what's influencing my decision making. Do you really? Can you say it? Do you know what's influencing your decision making? Can you just like literally say it right now? Because yeah. if you can't, you don't know. It's, there are very specific things. And that's what I teach, the, teach people like, this is literally the things that influencing your every single decision. What time you get up in the morning, if you press snooze when the alarm goes off, it, do you have coffee or tea? Do you have sugar or milk? Or do you drink the drink that you guys were having tonight? Like you guys, we all, we all have our drink here tonight, right? Right. Like something influenced us. And it's the same thing that influences every single decision. So once we understand what's influencing our decision-making, once we understand it, it ceases to manage us and we begin to use it to manage the outcomes that we desire. It's, it's extremely powerful. I mean, it literally, I mean, like I just got a, uh, I just got a um, call from one of my clients just three days ago. And uh, he said, like, he was like, I'm excited to tell you, this was my best year in business ever by a long shot. And uh, I said, well, what, what do you think, what do you attribute that to? He's like, everything I learned in this coaching course, I learned how my brain works. I learned what was influencing my decision-making. And so I was able to reach out to more clients. I was able to communicate in a way that I had never communicated before. I, I got clear about what my standards were. I got clear about my outcomes. I, under, I understand now what discipline is. I understand what willpower is. I, I redefine success. I understand the voice in my head and that the voice in my head is not me. We, she got clear or he got clear on a ton of stuff. Basically, an understanding of how the brain works. And because again, and I just ask you, like, did you guys ever go in, in any of your uh, uh, elementary 
junior high or high school classes. Did you guys ever understand that there was a class on how the brain works? No. No. <laughs> no. Hell no. Nothing I didn't even get that in college. Science and you know, right? The analogy of the brain. Yeah. 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 So some, I mean, depending on what some of the classes you took, you might've got an introduction to it, but I mean, this thing is like the most complicated computer on, on the planet earth. And we don't eat and, it, and it's in us, it runs us, but we did, we don't have the, 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 the user manual for it. What would happen if you got a user manual for it? What would it be possible? Right. Right. That's exciting. I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> uh, I think I was asking, uh, like, what are some of the biggest blockers? I think oh, yes. Yeah, the biggest blocker is, like, the brain. Like, yeah. our, our limited understanding of how it works. And, the, yeah. and is the brain the same as the mind? It's not. Actually, you just said um, the, the voice in your head, and that's not you. And I've heard, you know, your thoughts are not yours like what do you mean by that because i think you hear it but um there's levels of understanding so how, what is what is your understanding? and even the difference between the mind and the brain yeah thank you for asking that thank you for asking that um can i run you through a quick example yeah sure. all right so you guys i'm going to ask you some questions okay um you guys both just shout out your answers don't give it any thought this is not, there's, there's no good, bad, there's no right or wrong answer here. I'm not looking for an answer. Honestly, I'm not, this is not a trick. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. When I say, so, okay. So the first thing that comes to your mind, Christmas. Light. Reindeer. Light. What'd you say? What'd you say? Reindeer, classic? Reindeer for some reason. Reindeer. Reindeer. Okay. All right. Uh, um, butterfly. Flying. Okay. <laughs> flying was the yeah, it was for me. All right, dog. Doberman. Yeah, <laughs> same for me, Doberman. Okay, all right. Um, uh, snorkeling. Now. Ocean. Okay. Ocean. Uh, podcast. Uh, Freedom. Microphone. Okay, perfect. Now, so 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 what just happened was the 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 uh, the the mind was using you. It's not good, bad, right, or wrong. What happened was I said a word, and your mind looked looked back. It gapped backward. It, it was like it, it's like Google, like you type in something, and it's going to give you a, a list of things that hopefully match. I just said a word, your mind just went back into the archives and said, Christmas, what do we know about Christmas? Bring forth something that has to do with Christmas, right? Yeah. It's not asking you, it's not consulting with, with Gypsy and saying like, hmm, what does Christmas mean to me? No, it's just like, oh, present, oh, lights. Oh, tree. Oh, Santa Claus. It's just there. That's the mind using you. A quick association, right? Mm -hmm. We're not like sitting down with our coffee and getting deep about it. Like Christmas, what does that mean? Right? 
We're not having a, a, your mind just comes up with something. Now, here's an example of you using your mind, okay? What I want you to do is just, just uh, play with me here, close your eyes, and I want you to, I want you to think of the Empire State Building. Have you got a click, have you got a picture of that in your mind? Yeah. Okay, got it. All right. Now I want you to picture yourself at ground level of the Empire State Building. And you're looking up at it. You're like, man, that's high. That is high. And then you realize that on your body, you've, you've got all this climbing gear. Like, wow, where the hell did that come from? Well, I don't know, but it, it's on me. And then you literally start climbing. You're like roped in, you're safe. There's no chance of falling, but you're, you're roped in and you're, you're climbing the Empire State Building. It's like, there's a big rope is attached to the top and you're just like climbing, climbing, hand over hand, hand over hand. You're, you're getting some height now, you're looking around, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Look at all the buildings. Wow, there's a crowd forming down there. They're like shouting stuff to me. Hey, there's some camera people down there. Like, what are these, what are these crazy people doing? But you just keep climbing, climbing. You know you're safe. You're completely safe. Hand over hand. There's a, there's a level of ease by which you're climbing. In fact, people down there are remarking to each other like, how are they climbing so easily? It's like they're superheroes. And you're climbing, 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 climbing. You got gloves on, so it's easy. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful sunny day. Now you're about three quarters of the way up and you're looking around. You're like looking around the city of New York. You've got this incredible view that most people don't ever have. You're seeing like this, the skyline. Oh man, it's incredible. Buildings glistening in the sun. People down below. And then you look up at the top, and you're like, yeah, here we go. Going all the way. You're going all the way to the top now. You're not even afraid. You're like, this is a done deal. I've got it. This is just fun. I'm going all the way to the top. And now you're at the top. You're at the top. And you break out a sign. You break out a sign that you had tucked away in your, in your back pouch. And you're totally harnessed in, secured in, so you can let go with both hands. And you open up a big sign that says, American Gypsy. Tune in. <laughs> All right. All right, so the visualization is over now. You can go ahead and open your eyes. But could you see that? I could visualize it. Yeah. Almost so like that was you. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Spider-Man, right? <laughs> so that was you, classic, using the brain, using your mind. It wasn't using you. You were calling the shots there. You, you said, I have this incredible capacity to imagine, to create, to visualize. And your brain responded that is an incredible tool that no other to our knowledge 
that no other animal has on this planet. Now, unfortunately, most people don't use that tool. Visualization. Yes. See the, see, the brain cannot tell the difference between what's real and what's not real. The brain literally cannot tell the difference between what's real and what's not real. When you go to the movie theater and you sit down, you got your popcorn and your drink or whatever, and the, and the movie comes on and you're like, all right, this is going to be good. You're all ready. And 10, 12, 15 minutes into the movie, you're laughing. You're just like, oh, man, that was a good one. You're laughing. You're cracking up. And then 20 minutes later, you're crying. Like, oh, my God, this is so sad. Right? And you're like choking back tears. And then another 15 minutes, you're like, oh, you're on the edge of your seat. And you're like, oh, my God, what the, what the hell are they going to do? How are they going to get out of this? You know, your heart, your heart rate is actually speeded up. I mean, you might even be perspiring, right? You might even be a little, a little shaky. And then a few minutes later, you're laughing again. There's some comedy relief. And then the show ends. You just went through a roller coaster of emotions because you were staring at something that was simply light projected on a screen. It was not even real. Even back in Hollywood, it was actors. There, were a, there was a light crew, a sound crew. They were calling cut. Oh my God, can we do that scene again? People are cracking up. There's a blooper reel. Our mind is incapable of telling the difference between what is real and what's not. Whatever you focus on, you feel. This is one of the core messages of my curriculum. Whatever you focus on, you feel. Whatever you focus on expands. And whatever you continue to focus on, you attract and manifest into your life. And so, if, and, and, and again, this is why when you go to sleep at night, your brain releases a, a, a chemical that kind of paralyzes the body so that you don't start getting up and acting out your dreams, right? I mean, it's why people wet to bed, talk in their sleep. Sometimes people even get up and uh, walk in their sleep. Your brain cannot tell the difference. If we know that, could we just start feeding our brain like incredibly powerful, empowering messages? and hack the brain, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wicked, isn't it? How long does it usually take? Yeah, my curriculum is a year. Why is it a year? Because I believe that it takes a solid year to begin to transform your thinking. Meaning, again, remember, not changing or fixing your old way of thinking, but to set up new neural pathways and to begin to actually think thoughts that you've never thought or believed before. So my clients actually begin thinking in a way that they didn't think before. And that's why they can produce radically different outcomes in their life. I mean, isn't that, I mean, isn't that wild? Isn't it exciting to think about? It's like, so, I mean, every time I get this, it's like, holy shit. These are the, this is the, this is the, the, the keys to the kingdom, right? Yeah. This is, I mean, we talk about wanting to create an incredible life. This is actually the keys to it. It's like, I mean, and by the way, I'm talking from personal experience. 
because I've been through some tough, tough times. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life since I was in elementary school, building businesses, paper route, um, uh, 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 my window washing business. I mean, I've been uh, my our, our 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 business that we made all natural soaps, lotions, and uh, I mean, I've always been creating. My the tech company that I was a part of, always an entrepreneur. And I had some really hard times. One of my businesses crashed and burned, put my heart and soul into it, crashed and burned to the ground. I had to walk away with $20,000 worth of credit card debt. A family of five, a mortgage, $0 in the bank. And I remember we're like qualifying for food stamps. And we got those food stamps the one time that, I mean, that we used them. And I remember we was at our local Safeway. And I went in there and at first I was like, thank God we got these. Went up to the, the counter and remembered like, I, I, we gave them the, we actually gave them, they're like, oh, you can't use that. You can only use these for certain products. Fuck. I felt so humiliated. Like, fuck, here I am on public assistance. And I'm just like, I got to put food, I got to put certain products back now. And it was then that I vowed, I will never, ever, ever be in this position again. I'm going to change. Something's got to change right now. And so, and so I dug deep, deep, deep into personal development so that I could transform my thinking. And things turned out pretty damn good. But it wasn't, but you know what? I couldn't have got here without those trials and tribulations. Understood. Right? I could not have got there without it. And the brain is, is one of the most powerful things that you have and the tools that you have to help you get out of almost every situation as long as you can think and function properly. So you got it. You got definitely it. Definitely understand, you know, the importance of of the brain. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, so anyways, yeah, so so now that's what I'm doing now is I'm just helping people. I'm helping people along that journey for people who really want to transform their thinking. Um, I've got a curriculum and that's what we do. And, uh, uh, and the good news is that people get dramatic results. And I'm not talking just about financially, but like, can you imagine like mending relationships in your life that you thought were like just toast, like un beyond repair? Yeah. It's pretty cool. And of course, you know, I'm, we're all about self-improvement and consistent self-improvement. So it's definitely in the, the familiar feeling and same energy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the, give me the opening. Cause I loved, I loved your, uh, your opening <laughs> oh, to the yeah, podcast. It's, it's what is con it? Consistent self-improvement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we have like a, a low, it's a logo and we have merchandise based on it. So. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Consistent self-improvement right yeah just yeah. baby steps little bit little little by little right yeah and what are some of the um, links to your um 
your work and some of you know the links to your project and everything. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So the best way to get a hold of me and check out what I'm doing or schedule a discovery call or you know just seeing is this guy for real or is or what? Uh, go to FletcherEllingson.com or you can go to the Practice of Feeling Good.com. The Practice of Feeling Good.com will lead you to FletcherEllingson.com. Okay. See, because I really do believe it's about the practice of feeling good. I did want to talk about fear because um, I feel like that's something that gets in the way of a lot of uh, people's goals. And I yes. know you've done um, an experiment and I just, you know, what is that experiment and how? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So you're uh, talking about the rejection experiment I did. So yeah. it was a year, a year in my life where I was like, Hey, you know, I mean, things are going well, but I'm realizing that I'm coming up against myself. What's this thing that I'm coming up against? And what I realized it was a fear of rejection. So um, in one of my, one of the businesses that I helped grow, uh, it was a technology business. I, I needed to be in constant outreach. I needed to be in, in constant, like, you know, picking up the phone, connecting, networking, asking for sales, asking for the meeting. And, um, you know, and I was, I was, and I was reaching out to some, some big players, like billion dollar companies. And uh, I'm not a billion dollar person, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. so, so, like, so one of the things in my mind was like, well, they're gonna reject you. They, they've never heard of your name. They, they don't know anything about you. Why would they give you the time of day? And so sometimes I would, I would uh, you know, uh, sabotage myself. I would, I would kill, my, kill the endeavor before it even got, uh, before I got started. And, and what I realized was like, Fletcher, you are afraid. You're, you're living from a place of fear. Your fear of rejection is impeding your business and therefore your life. If you're fearful of being rejected, where else is fear showing up? Right? And so I really got, uh, uh, so I was like, I, gotta, I, I wanna become a master asker. Can you imagine if we were, if you were a master asker, like you could just ask for anything, anytime of anyone, like there was no hesitation, right? I mean, some people go to a restaurant and they order something, they're expecting it to be just so, and they get it. And it's not just so there's something wrong with it. It's not hot enough. Maybe there's something in it. It doesn't, something's off, but we, but most of us, we're not even willing to like, hey, could you guys redo this for us, please? Right. Oh, I don't want to put somebody out. Oh, they might think I'm, I'm uh, being greedy or ungrateful. Oh, they might spit my, no, no. In the smallest things, we are afraid of being rejected. We are not practiced at asking for what we want. So I decided I've got to become a master asker. I've got to, I've got to manage this fear of rejection. And so what I began to doing is a, a rejection experiment where I specifically and purposely put myself into situations where I would make ridiculous and audacious requests of people that would likely or could offend them um, or would just be so asinine that they would reject me. They would tell me, no, no, or get the hell out of here, or what the hell are you talking about? But absolutely no. They were, they were so obvious. My request would have to be so ridiculous that they were 
almost guaranteed to reject me. And in doing so, I would become like Teflon. I'd be like, I'd become uh, desensitized to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, it was one of the most significant things I've ever done in my life. Uh, because I was out of my, so there were, there were just a few rules to it, this experiment. Number one, the, the, the experiment had to make me uncomfortable. Uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the ask would have to make me uncomfortable. I couldn't just be like, I couldn't ask for something like if it didn't make me uncomfortable, this was, I had to get uncomfortable. And number two, it was going to be, they were highly probable to say no. Okay. So that was the other thing. And number three, I couldn't do it to impress anybody. So like, I couldn't go out to a, a, a restaurant with my friends and say, hey, you guys, watch what I'm about to do. Right. Couldn't be that, right? Um, and, number, and the other one was, I couldn't tell the person why I was making this request. So with that in mind, I set off and I did some pretty crazy things. Um, and the lessons I learned have served me well. I'll never forget them. This, like, this is one of the biggest things I've ever, or, or most meaningful things I've ever done in my life. But I'll give you an example. Some of them were really simple. Like uh, the guy who came to, uh, one year we got a ton of snow and, uh, and, and it was more snow than I cared to shovel. And I didn't have a snowblower, so I called somebody. And uh, the guy came and shoveled. Uh, and then I asked, and after it was done, I was like, hey, think, what do I owe you? I paid him. And I was like, hey, one, oh, one other thing. Um, would you be willing to um, come over here in the, in the yard and make snow angels with me? And uh, the guy was, and, 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 the, and this is what usually happened when I would ask people these things. There would be a bit of silence. And then they would say, what? <laughs> Because it's a total pattern interrupt to their yeah, brain. Yeah. This is not, they're, they're not expecting it. And their brain is just like, let me catch up for a second. Wait, what did he say? Because I thought he said something about snow angels, right? So I was like, yeah, would you, would, would you be willing to come out here and um, make some snow angels in the, in the front yard with me? Right? So that's like, that's one. And, and he said, no, he cracked up. And I, and he said, I said, are you sure? He's like, uh, no. I said, he's like, yeah, you know, I've been, I, I got this cold, but you know, maybe if I didn't have this cold, I would, right? And I was like, okay, well, thanks, man. So that was like an easy one. But there's, but, but then they just got progressively more challenging. So like, uh, I was on a plane going down to Mazatlan, Mexico. Uh, and I was, it was this, during this time when I was doing the rejection experiment. And I was like, I'm going to have to do some rejection experiments in Mexico. Well, what can I do? So I thought, Oh, I got one. So when we landed and we got to the resort, really nice resort, I found a sales manager uh, who sold who sold the uh, timeshares at the resort where we were staying. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know me. Like I don't speak Spanish. He doesn't know me. Um, and I said, uh, "Hey Mario, could I have you know five ten minutes of your time? If it goes beyond that, it's on you. But I just want five or ten minutes." So I and and here's here was my goal. I'm going to ask this guy if I can lead his sales meeting to all his agents who sell timeshares down there. All right? He does. Why would he let me? <laughs> but we get talking. We're having a good time. We're laughing. And he's like, 
would Wednesday morning be okay? Would that work for you to come and lead our sales meeting? Because I'd really love to have you come and do this. And not only that, I'm going to make it mandatory that all 50 of my agents come and participate. <laughs> so I didn't get the no, I got the yes, and it was a big yes. Yeah. And then he finds out um, during the during the course of the, the uh, presentation, he finds out that my wife is a family physician. And he's like, you know, you know, um, health and vitality are really important to me. And I want to impart that to our agents because they need to have a lot of good uh, uh, energy because their job is so demanding and I want them to be on. And I know it has a lot to do with what they eat and how they fuel their body and their blah, blah, blah. Would your wife be willing to come and do um, like a 30 minute talk? on Friday morning. Wow. And so we, we, so then we came back on Friday morning and my wife gave another talk. Wow. And I mean, we're here we are on vacation making, I just made a ridiculous request. It should have turned into a no, turned into a yes. And then can you also do this, right? <laughs> yeah. um, or, or uh, I mean, so you That's just nice. don't know what's gonna happen until you ask for it, until you make the request. I'm, I, one of the scariest ones I did was, um, this is one I actually chickened out on. Um, so I was in Starbucks, I was in line and uh, got my coffee and then I thought, I'm gonna ask somebody to have a, a complete stranger to have a staring contest with me. And uh, I knew it as soon as I thought it, my heart started racing. I was like, oh, that's scary. That's uncomfortable, <laughs> right? And so I, I, I kind of surveyed the, the, uh, the lounge there and I identified someone who was sitting over there by themselves. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I was like, I was like, really, this is not fun. That's intimate. That's intimate. But I, uh, I walked over to this person who was sitting there. They were sitting right by an exit. And just before I opened my mouth, I turned and walked out the door. <laughs> <laughs> it was too much. And I walked straight to my car. I got in my car. I turned it on. I pulled out of the driveway, drove around the block, got to the stop sign, and realized what was going on. My brain just took over. My mind just took over. I was not present. <laughs> My brain just said, this is a dangerous situation and you need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> You're subconscious. And, yeah. And so I was like, so I, I was like, I was like, Fletcher, this is exactly why you've got to do this. You are simply afraid of making a request of a stranger. You were afraid of being vulnerable. You're afraid of a moment of intimacy with somebody you don't know. I was like, God, I gotta do this now. So I drove back around the block, got in the parking lot. I'm, I can actually feel the anxiety right now, just thinking back to that. Went to the door, like, let's do this. Went up to that person, sat down. I said, hey, my name is Fletcher. Um, I was wondering, would you be willing to take a, a few seconds and have a staring contest with me? The first person to blink loses. And guess what? Guess what they said? What? They, they yes. said what? They said what? 
I said, yeah, my name is Fletcher. I was wondering if you'd be willing to take a few seconds to have a staring contest for me, the first person to uh, blink loses. And there was, a, there was a pause and then they said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this staring contest and uh, I don't remember who, who blinked first, but after, I, after that, I went back in my car and was just like, <laughs> so glad that one's over and it doesn't even seem like such a big deal when you're when you're relaying the story right it seems like so easy yeah. i'm going to give you two more okay also in a coffee shop i tapped on the shoulder of somebody in the line in front of me and i said uh excuse me do you mind if i take cuts in front of you for no good reason same thing <laughs> excuse me i was wondering if i could take cuts in front of you for no good reason I threw in the no good reason because it had to be ridiculous and audacious. It's not because I was in a hurry, not because I had to get to the hospital, not because I was running late to a meeting. It was for no good reason. Can I simply get in front of you in the line? And she thought about it. She's like, okay. I said, oh, thanks. And then what happened was really interesting. She said, do you want to take cuts in front of my friend? Who's now in front of you? And I said, well, sure. <laughs> and, and her friend turned around and said, I don't think so. <laughs> Why would I give you cuts? <laughs> and I said, okay. But after, after I got my coffee and I was putting my stuff in it and they had taken their seat, I was walking out and uh, the, the, the friend who was kind of upset she stopped me. She said, Hey, I just, I'm curious, why did you do that? And so I sat down and had the discussion with her and told her, right? I didn't tell her ahead of time because that's one of my rules. Right. Yeah. But she asked me, it's like, and so we got into this wonderful conversation about it, about what we're talking about now, like becoming a master asker, like getting rid of the sphere of rejection. And it was really interesting. So a lot of the, I had those numbers uh, uh, lots of times, but the one, I think that takes the cake is when I was in, when I was in LA where you guys are and I was visiting my in-laws, by the way, if I'm down there, I'm going to have to look you guys up um, and we'll go get grab a cup of coffee and we can have a staring contest with strangers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was down in LA and uh, I was going for my morning walk in a neighborhood that I clearly didn't know. I mean, I was down there uh, just visiting. And off to my left, I saw this house and it was, the house was kind of, uh, it was kind of uh, uh, up on a higher elevation. And so there's a driveway that went up and it was situated so that I could see in their garage and the garage door was open and I saw a ping pong table there. Well, I love playing ping pong. As soon as I saw that, I, I was like, oh no, 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 please don't, <laughs> please don't, don't make me do that. <laughs> But I knew as soon as I saw it, I had to do it. As soon as I hear that voice that says, don't do this, because here's the other thing, you guys, when I was doing these experiments, you want to get really present to how loud your voice can be. Oh man, my, my, the voice in my head was constantly like, Fletcher, do not do this one. Do it, pick a different one. This is not a good one. You don't have to prove anything. There's other options. My voice is going off. 
without my permission, without my consent, without my approval, my voice is not my friend. Like if my voice was incarnate, if it was like an actual human being, I'd be like that, that person there, I do not want on my team. <laughs> they, they are not my friend. Right. Yeah. And that was, that's what the voice was saying. Walk away, keep walking. I was like, Oh, I got to do it now. So I, so this one, this one was particularly challenging because I had to, I had to cross a, uh, a physical boundary that, that belonged to somebody else. I had to cross onto their physical property and I had to go walk up to their door and I knocked on the door and there was a dog barking and some commotion and there was a few seconds and a, and a, and a lady opened the door about this much because the dog was there barking and it's like, can I help you? I was like, I said, yeah, my name's Fletcher Ellingson. I'm, I live in Washington state. I'm just up here visiting some people. I saw the ping pong table in your garage. I was wondering, would you uh, or anyone else in your household be interested in playing some ping pong this morning? What'd she say? What? <laughs> exactly. She's like, what? Say, what? <laughs> my name's Fletcher. I'm from Washington state up here visiting, saw the ping pong. I love playing ping pong. Anybody interested in some ping pong this morning? And she's like, do we know you? I was like, no, I'm from Washington State. I'm just visiting my family a few blocks down. Any, anybody interested? Just a second. She closes the door. <laughs> Muffled voices on the other side of the door. <laughs> a few seconds later, the husband comes. Can I help you? Yeah, my name is Fletcher Ellingson. I'm from Washington State. I'm visiting my in-laws down the road. Saw the ping pong table. Wondering if anyone would want to play some ping pong. Do we know you? Nope. Just wondering if anyone wants to play ping pong. You just want to play ping pong? That's all I want to do. Anybody interested? Shuts the door. Just a, or just a second. And then shuts the door. Muffled voices. A few seconds later. <laughs> a teenager opens the door and says, my dad said you're looking to play some ping pong. I said, yeah. Would you like to play? <laughs> so I go out with this random teenager and we play a couple games. He whips me and then I'm on my way. But, I, but you can see this is incredible. And I mean, those are just a few. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, just a few. But what I learned was this. More people said yes to my ridiculous requests than no. Wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I got my TV show. I mean, I've got this regional television show. I got it through an experiment, uh, the rejection experiment. Nice. They don't know me. They didn't know what I did. But I said, I'd like to have a television show where I can get in front of a wider audience with meaningful content with feel good content that with content that builds people up. And so I went and sat down with the, with the owner of the, of the, the company and said, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And the answer was yes. And so my wife and I have had this show. We just celebrated like, uh, I think we're on like a episode 112 or 120. I mean, you know, we, we've been doing these, these, this TV show now and, and nice. inter interviewing a lot fun people. And it's just like been super fun. But what I learned was that people will usually say yes. 
if we are brave enough to ask. And so now incredible things are happening in my life because I have gotten past my fear of rejection. Now, you asked a really good question, Gypsy. And by the way, I, I should have said this way earlier, but if you guys have questions, jump in because I'm just going to, I'm like a monologue here, right? <laughs> but what you said was this thing about fear. Now, fear is a, is, is a, every emotion has a message. So I don't believe there are good, bad, negative or positive emotions. Every emotion has a message. And the message of fear is that like, you might be in danger, right? You might be in this, this thing you're doing or going to do, you might be in danger. But I realized that fear is hyperactive. This is like hypervigilant. It's, it turns everything into fear. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we learned, I mean, I don't know about you class, but oh, did I have to overcome some fear when I was street performing? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. And the, I mean, in the early days that was brutal. Like I'm like looking for corners. I'm like, is this one? Okay. I mean, well, like, can I get a crowd here? I mean, you know, am I taking up too much space or, I mean, I see people think I'm going to be crazy. Oh my God. There was so much fear, fear about everything. Yeah. Right. Um, but here's the, here's what I discovered as well. Excuse me. There's a wonderful gift in fear. There's a beautiful gift in fear. It's the only time that you can also choose courage. It's the, it's the one time that you can literally be courageous is when you are also fearful. You can't be courageous unless fear is present. It's not possible. Makes sense. Right? Yeah. Like courage, courage will not be found aside from fear. They travel together. It's a gift, but you have to exercise the gift. And, 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 and here's what I want to really, for your, your, the people that are listening to this, the same thing is at the, at the core of both fear and courage, this exact same fear. And that thing that is at the core of fear and is at the core of courage is nothing more than a story. All fear is, is a story. And it's future-based. Fear is never, never, ever about what's happening right now. When you're fearful about getting on that stage, you're fearful about something that's going to happen. When I was fearful in all those rejection experiments, it was never about the moment that I was planning it. It was this future fear. It was about what might happen in the future, how I might look. I might look like a jackass. I might embarrass myself. It's few, fear is all future based and it's a story. And so what courage is, it's the beautiful gift and courage is nothing but another story. But it's a story about what would happen if you walked through your fear. Yeah. Ooh, right? So, so courage is the courage is the literal act of concocting a different story that is empowering instead of disempowering. 
And that's the practice of feeling good. That is part of the practice. It becomes part of the practice of feeling good is becoming a master storyteller where you tell yourself empowering stories that propel you into action, that pull you forward instead of holding you back. And, and, when, when, and, when, and when people can get that for themselves, things begin to shift in their lives dramatically. It's pretty exciting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I learned that early on when I was a kid. It's like I kept doing, for some reason, I kept doing things even when I was scared. And oh, yeah. I realized, oh, there's something there. But I didn't realize, I didn't make the, I had to analyze it as an adult to realize there's value there. And that, so, you know, I just kept doing it throughout my life. Of course, I have some fears that mm -hmm. I haven't tackled, but I make it sure. my mission. You know, when I was early on, I realized that. So now I make it my mission to kind of break most of the fears that I have. Um, of course, there's always some, but they, I realized that value of, you know, getting right on the other side of it. I love that it. Practice. I love it. And and has that served you well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Right. Both way more, way more fun to live life courageously than being stuck on the other side of fear. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Right on. Good for you. You know, that's so rare. I don't, if you think back, Gypsy, who taught you that? Or where did you get that insight? Or was there a, a defining moment where you're, where you just decided to move past fear? I kept trying to figure out an adult, like, why did I do that? Like, I would be scared of, say, the dark or something, and I would still go in and do whatever I needed to do in the dark. Or, like, just it was a lot of instances where I was scared, but I was like, I'm not going to say I'm scared. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I don't know what, what it was. I don't know if it was my ego or I don't know, but once you experience it once and you just kept, you know, you see something there and you just keep doing it. And yes. And I was, yeah, you be, so what you're speaking to is you begin to practice it. Yeah. Right. You're like, Oh, I did it. I got through that fear. Yeah. I'll get this, I'll get through this one too. And then the next, right. You begin, you begin making it a practice. Yeah. You realize a lot of it is irrational as well. Like a lot of the things that keep you, in that fearful state is sometimes irrational like you said some of it is based on the future um and not really yeah. now yeah okay. and 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 i um it's so cool it's a good conversation i'm really appreciating this conversation because because you know just as i was saying you know we practice being courageous well we're very practiced at being fearful yes mm. right yeah it's, it's yeah. we've like all these all the um, behaviors and habits that we have that don't serve us, yeah. we're just very practiced at them. Talk. Yeah. yeah, it's really right? your subconscious mind that's running you half the day, anyway. So yeah, you got you it. Gotta yeah, keep reprogramming it. It's all about the reprogramming. <laughs> well, uh, some some uh, some people sometimes people would say, "Well, what do you what, what do you do? How do you help people?" It's like, "Oh, I just help them uh, brainwash themselves." Because that's really what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've already been brainwashed, right? It's mm -hmm. just trying to reprogram. Yeah. You got it. You got it. We are a collection of our our old programming, 
Uh, and that's why we just got to be like, does this program actually serve me? If it doesn't, let's chuck it and, 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 uh, upload a new program. Yeah. Right. And, and then, and, but the practice is so critical because when you create new neural pathways, those can pair apart in a few days. If they're not revisited, if they're not trafficked, right? If your brain is not using them, which is why the practice of feeling good. And when I say the practice of feeling good, I don't just mean happy. I mean, um, the practice of feeling good covers this. It's an umbrella that covers like feeling open, being willing, being ready, being optimistic, um, uh, being accepting, right? Um, being loving, being warm, um, you know, being courageous. All of these things are the practice of feeling good. They're ways of being. And uh, big emphasis just on the practice. So before we close it out, is there yeah. anything you'd like the audience to know or special yeah. upcoming events? Yeah, thanks. Like yeah, thanks for asking that. What I want people to, to to hear is this is that you don't need to struggle. You don't need to do this by yourself. There are ways to get unstuck. There are answers and solutions that, and ways you can move forward powerfully, but you don't need to do it by yourself. Like reach out. I know that in our Western culture, fuck it, I'll do it myself. I don't need anybody. No, that's not, that's not strong. That's, we've been told that like that's strong. No, that's weak. Strength is saying, I need some help. I need some advice. I need some counsel. I, 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 I need help moving beyond the results that I'm currently getting. I need help moving beyond this current level of thinking that I have. That's strength. And you don't have to do it all by yourself. You know, reach out to people reach out to me or reach out to like whoever it is, just reach out, reach out to the people who have the results that you want. Learn from them. You don't need to do this by yourself. I agree. Thank you for that. Thank yeah, you. I agree. Good. Good. We've enjoyed the conversation. We've enjoyed yeah. speaking with you and we really appreciate your time and consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love what you guys are doing. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, if you ever want to have some more uh, fun conversation, let me know. Yeah. And uh, if you're ever in L.A., come down to our studio. We do um, in-studio podcasts as well. Hey, yeah. wh hey where, do you go uh, where are you in L.A.? We're in, in downtown, downtown L.A. I'm going to be there in... Um, I think I'm going to be down there in in April. I think. Okay. I want to come and see you guys. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So yeah, we'll be Definitely. here. Are you guys going to be around in the month of April? Yeah. We'll yeah. Be here in we'll April. be here. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Right on. My son just moved down there. Okay. Oh my gosh, my son just moved down there. I got to connect him with you guys. Yeah. Sure. He's he's all he's all into video and editing and uh, also I'm. I, first of all, I just want to come down and connect with you, but I'll see what my son's doing and uh, maybe I'll, I'll drag him along too. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And you can find all the information about the podcast at americangypsy.com. Thank you for listening and consistent self-improvement. And for some good vibes, you can definitely check out um, some of my music at Classic Carpenter. It's um, some links on the website, along as, you know, also on all major platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, K-L-A-C-C-I-K and C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. Some nice instrumental music, a couple of vocals. So. Thank you for everyone listening. Consistent self-improvement once again. Peace and blessings to everyone.